Hey everyone, it's 6 p.m. Uh, East Coast. This is episode 22 of Versus Media Live. Um, we're topic today is called Old Joe. Poor Old Joe. Uh, the New York Times this week kicked off things by uh, printing a piece, publishing a piece that said uh, Democratic operatives are openly uh, talking and whispering about Joe Biden not running in 2024 for a myriad of reasons. For one, he's uh, historically unpopular at the moment. Anything can happen in the next two years. Uh, But he's historically unpopular at this moment in his presidency. He'll also be 177 years old. And uh, as this piece was published and it featured people like David Axelrod saying, you know, it just doesn't look like he's all there. So all of these things that we've, uh, those of us who have been saying this now for a while, and just being called ageist and bigoted over this stuff. Well, now the other side of the aisle is openly discussing it. And so now I guess we're allowed to all sit here and wonder what's going on with the old man. Uh, That led to a few things this week. The Atlantic's uh, Mark Leibovich, why Biden shouldn't run in 2024. Yes, he's fit to be president right now, but he's too old for the next election. And, uh, he goes into some of these reasons, and it's it, because it's the Atlantic. They, of course, blame the uh, the, the concern of Biden's age on the political right. Um, and then just today, one of our favorites, Chris Saliza on CNN, decided he's going to rank the 2024 Democratic field, and he lists about ten candidates, uh, going ten to one: Chris Murphy, Roy Cooper, Cory Booker, Amy Klobuchar, Elizabeth Warren, Gavin Newsom, Pete Buttigieg, Bernie Sanders, Kamala Harris, and uh, of course Joe Biden says uh, there's zero question that Biden is bad political shape at this moment. Approval ratings in the high 30s, gas at $5 a gallon. It's more than that, Chris. Inflation, the highest it's been in 40 years. There's also zero question that if Biden decides he wants to run for a second term, he will almost certainly be the party's nominee and probably won't have to fight all that hard for it. It's an open question as to whether that is the best thing for Democrats nationally. So this kind of whisper campaign that everyone has been kind of wondering about behind the scenes is now kind of spilled out into the open with mainstream media outlets. Um, on my podcast this week, I laid out, I think about five scenarios and I, and I don't have them written down. So I'm going to just try to go off memory. Um, one is obviously what Saliza lays out here is that Joe Biden says, I'm going to run. Uh, he's the nominee and they, they roll the dice. Uh, the other uh, another scenario that I had stated is he doesn't actually make it to 2024. <laughs> no, NSA, it's not an assassination thing. It's an old age thing, uh, health complications, what, what have you. Maybe he doesn't wake up one night and we then have President Kamala, who then you would think would be the automatic default party nominee in 2024, except her approval ratings are lower than his. Um. The third scenario I laid out is that uh, he obviously doesn't run. He steps aside, which is what uh, the Atlantic is telling him to do for uh, the good of the country and the honor of the country to uh, simply step aside, let us have an open primary. And it would probably be most of these names that Saliza has mentioned. I would throw New York City Mayor uh, Eric Adams into that group as well. And Joe Biden gets the media heroic send off that uh, he did his country well in a difficult time. And he just he he wasn't given a fair presidency because of Trump and because of uh, 
the pandemic and never mind that he said he would shut all of that stuff down and he was elected on that. Uh, they'll say he wasn't given a shot with the war in Ukraine, but he'll he'll get the uh, the elder statesman heroic send off from our national media, of course, if, if he so chooses not to run again. He will then, of course, also give the White House treatment to whomever the nominee would be, um, especially if it is Kamala. Um, the fourth scenario I laid out is that Joe Biden would run and he would have one or two primary challengers. And he would overcome them. Um, the question becomes, and there's one name that Saliza left off the list that I'll get into. Um, the question becomes, who who is bold enough to open that door? Who would who would be the first one out there to, to primary him? We saw in 2012 that Bernie Sanders had considered primarying Obama. Um, he came very, very close to doing it. And I would argue that the natural heir apparent to Bernie Sanders, uh, Mark's Bay, Congresswoman Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez would be the one to throw that gauntlet down. Uh, She's had presidential aspirations ever since she came into Congress. Uh, I do not see her staying in a minority in the House. She's she can barely get anything done now other than making margaritas on Instagram. Um, I think she would uh, hate being in a minority in the House, which is where she's going to be after the election in November. And I would see, I could see her resigning her seat or keeping the seat and then running for president. People have suggested she will run for Chuck Schumer's Senate seat. And I don't see that either. Um, This is pure speculation, but that's what today is. It's just a fun speculative thing where you guys are going to be able to chime in with your own thoughts. Um, So that would be the other question is who would open the door for two, three, four, five uh, other primary opponents? The other scenario and one that I think is more likelier than not in these crazy political times is that there is an open primary with all of these names and Joe Biden does not come out of the primary. He would lose the first two or three races, in which case he probably would say, okay, uh, I will step aside, et cetera, et cetera. We've never seen that, I think, in the history of this country. And those of you who are historians out there can prove me right or wrong on that. Um, I think that that is a likelier scenario than people giving it credit for. And I, again, would think all of these names you would see. So the question to me, one is who, who, who would kick all of this off? And like I said, I think Ocasio-Cortez is a good name. I think Elizabeth Warren is one. Uh, I don't know if Bernie Sanders is going to run. He said that he will support Joe Biden if he runs, but we all know times change. I do. I can't see Bernie supporting Ocasio-Cortez and basically sharing the campaign trail with her. Um, Obviously, if there's an open primary, does Kamala Harris jump in or does she sit it out? Um, But I think all of these names are correct, giving Saliza a monicum of credit here. Um, Other than, like I said, I think Eric Adams would be a wild card as well. I I could see Gavin Newsom, Eric Adams, Ocasio-Cortez all being the first ones into a primary. So this, this whispering of Biden's age and his, how shall we say, mental acuity has, of course, now spilled out into the open. It's You have the media openly writing about it, um, as if Joe Biden is basically a dead man walking. Um, or, in today's case, running to the beach in Delaware again. Um, so again, there's several of these scenarios. You can, you're free to come up with your own. Uh, the nuttier, the better. Feel free to throw in your own names, what you think you could see happening, especially after the 2022 elections, which looks like Biden's party is going to lose the majority in which... If, 
in which case Biden's presidency is effectively over anyway. Um, we're only about a year away from these decisions having to be made. So uh, while that seems like a long time, it's not really a long time in the political, you know, the grand scheme of political campaigns. So those are kind of my open questions. Um, and uh, those are the scenarios I think that likely would play out. Um, no, I'm not hoping he kicks, you know, the bucket or in his words, drops dead or anything like that. But I think at his advanced age, it's something that is, has to be a mildly of concern. Um, so that might seem a little morbid or whatever, but I'm not hoping it happens. I'm simply stating that that's the possibility that he doesn't actually make it to the next election. We have President Kamala for a year or so. And then what happens if she decides to run, which you would have to think she is the automatic nominee for 2024 regardless. I also noted on my podcast, if there is an open primary, it's going to be fun to watch our national media throw their weight behind the polite white gay man over our first African-American female vice president, which is what I believe would happen should there be an open primary. So uh, just some fun predictits. Um, I'm, I'm not throwing any data behind any of this because I, I have a checkered history with this kind of stuff. Again, this is just kind of a, a fun wondering out loud kind of brainstorming uh, episode today. Uh, those of you, if you remember, I said that Beto O'Rourke would be the party nominee uh, in 2020. And of course, I couldn't have been more more wrong about that. Um, so, But I also thought maybe Andrew Cuomo would have jumped in. So that would have been fun had that have happened. Um, so off those lists of the names that Saliza gave and the ones that I gave, uh, give me your thoughts. Do you think Biden makes it to 2024? Do you think he runs again? Um, one of the other things about this is our media seems to think that Joe Biden is joined, just going to give this presidency up. Um, and you can see them also carefully nudging him in that direction. You know, you're too old, Joe. You, you did a good job. Um, but people forget that Joe Biden has been running for this job since I think the mid-1930s. And uh, he never got a good percentage of the vote. He was always 1% or 2%, and then he would drop out. And basically, Barack Obama saved his political career. And it just got to the point to where all the old dogs just fell by the wayside, the Clintons and the Careys and the Bob Gebhards and all of those people. And he's the last man standing. And sure enough, he finally gets the job. And I don't think he's going to just step aside because people are telling him to. You don't run for that job for 30 years and then decide you're going to give it up. Um, one of the other scenarios is that uh, people like Ron Klain or people in the Democratic Party would, con would convince Jill Biden to tell him not to run again. And I think that she, if there's anyone who can convince him, it's her, and that's about it. And uh, as we witnessed today, I don't think that she is willing to give up the White House that easily either. So those are some fun scenarios. Give me your thoughts. Um, we'll go for, you know, as long as we can, I guess. And uh, like I said, uh, there's no science behind any of this. I'm just going off of what I see in our media suddenly this week. Um, I, the funniest one on Saliza's list to me is Chris Murphy. I guess he throws him on there because of guns and that's in the news. Good job, Saliza. Way to use the smooth brain on that one. Um, so give me any names that you think uh, are out there. Give me your wildest predictions um, on what you think uh, you're going to see. Um, I've talked to a couple of people in media and they think the most boring scenario is the one that plays out, um, which is that uh, Biden says he's going to run. We all know that he's 177 years old and he has to be carbon dated uh, on his birthday. 
Um, but they ultimately Democrats say there's nothing we can do about this. We just have to roll. We have to roll the dice here. If Joe Biden happens to run, he would be 82 years old, 83 years old. If he wins, he would be roughly about 88 years old coming out of the office in another four years. I, I don't see that happening at all. So they they have themselves quite the fun situation right now. And it's all kind of compounded with the fact that the person that Joe Biden picked to be his vice president, he was pretty much pressured to do so because of uh, the George Floyd riots and the moment that we're in, the equity moment we're in. But uh, the vice president that he picked uh, is as unpopular as he is. And there's also talk about that, that he could have done himself a world of good by picking uh, somebody who would have a little bit more favorable rating, uh, a Buddha judge or a Klobuchar or whomever. Um, but nope, he, he picked the candidate that the media and the people told him to, and now they're stuck. So they have a little bit of a conundrum coming their way. And of course, uh, I don't want to talk too much about the other side of the aisle, but that could also make things increase, uh, increasingly interesting with the fact that it looks like former President Boomer Dad is going to announce his own campaign here in a couple of months. So um, <laughs> there is no easy way out of this hell that we find ourselves in is basically my conclusion there. Uh, just going to go ahead and jump right in. Joe, what what scenario do you see playing out? Uh, which one do you think plays out or which one would you like to see play out in heading into 2024 uh, with our carbon dated pres- mummy president? Hey there, Stephen. Happy Friday. So, um, I mean, all of this is kind of moot because the brain genius wonderkind Democratic strategist Bill Crystal already told us today who the 2024 nominee is going to be, and that's Steve Kerr. Yeah. So I don't, I don't know why we're doing this, quite frankly. Um, yeah. How did how did how did these people end up at Donald Trump? Uh, there's part of me where I say Bill Crystal is just shit posting and he's getting a reaction. And there's a part of me that thinks he's completely dead serious. And when you see dead serious, when you think he's dead serious with tweets like that, you just shake your head and you go, and these and these guys wonder how this party ended at Donald Trump. Absolutely. So I am, I, I figure, you know what, I'm just going to say fuck it with this. And I'm going to throw out a name that I'm just going to say has more likelihood of Steve Kerr, but is still a very, very, very long shot. But what the hell? Why not? It's Friday night. Let's get weird. Um, The name I'm going to throw out is John Fetterman, who you put down correctly as the Beto O'Rourke of this cycle. Now, why do I say that? So he is indeed the Beto O'Rourke of this cycle. And so when you say, so hold on. So when real fast, when you say John, do you think that he is, he, runs in the primary or he's a nominee or do you think he's one of the guys that uh let's 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 say he wins or it doesn't even matter what he what happens with this election with oz uh are you saying that he's a guy that would primary joe biden then i think i and i agree with the premise it doesn't matter if he wins or not i think that if he has like a really good showing in the general election i think that there is going to be a groundswell asking for him to basically mount a campaign, kind of like with Beto. Um, I think if he wins, if he wins, forget about the absolute catastrophe that election night is going to be for the Democrats. That is all they're going to talk about. They could talk about their record losses in the House and very likely losing the Senate. But if he defeats Oz in the general election, he is going to be the hero of the night. 
And I think that he is going to get wall-to-wall media coverage. And the groundswell around him, I think, is just going to be massive. And the reason why I say that, um, kind of continuing on the Beto analogy, is you look at him, and of course, he doesn't look like a normal human. But he has the bona fides on the left to where he is not as off-putting as some of their other choices in the presidential race. So, for example, he isn't 500 years old like Bernie Sanders. He is not an angry librarian like Elizabeth Warren. He is a guy, which, I mean, compared to uh, Congresswoman Airport designation, I mean, a fraction of the Democratic base is probably just going to gravitate towards that because of the old standing, I think, something that still holds within them when it came down to Obama versus Hillary, you know, the kind of sexism that is um, an, an undercurrent, I think, still in the party. And as I mentioned, he does have the progressive bona fides for them. You put all of that together, I could definitely see, again, this is like far out of left field, but I'm just, I'm just kind of YOLOing it. I could see it happening, even if he doesn't win, even if he loses by like a couple of points, which by the way, if I'm, if I'm making a prediction right now, I think Oz is favored to win in the general. Um, I didn't vote for him in the primary. I voted for McCormick. But I did maintain that I think Oz is actually a better general election candidate than he is a Republican primary candidate, ironically. Um, So I do think that he is going to pull it out in the end. But I can absolutely see a lot of draft fetterman um, momentum on the left. And and your premise is that he he would then get the media behind him mounting a primary campaign against Biden, in which case that would also open the door to other candidates, possibly. The interesting thing about Fetterman is he's currently running a campaign that Biden ran, which is he's not out on the campaign trail at all. He's in a hospital bed or something doing Zoom meetings. And uh, that's another question with Fetterman. Is this a guy who's even going to be healthy enough to make it to the election coming up? And that's something that people are watching uh, in Pennsylvania, if you're Connor Lamb, you probably haven't dismantled your apparatus quite yet, <laughs> so to speak. You, you probably are telling your volunteers to just stand fast because Thanos might fucking drop dead at any second from his heart problems. Um, I, I, I can see a lot of what you, I, I agree with a lot of what you're saying. He is he is the cycles beta will work. If he loses, you know, you're going to see Beyonce wearing the Fetterman hats and the celebrities are all going to throw their weight behind him, which, again, if you're a Democratic candidate running, you should be telling them not to fucking do that. Um, But that's what they're going to do. And you're right. If he loses, he's still going to go on and they're going to say, oh, now you can go for governor or something else. And he's he's also very much like Stacey Abrams, which is another name you you have to be watching, regardless if uh, she wins a second term as governor this election she's another name you have to watch that could that could jump in and challenge biden right off the bat just you you're looking at candidates with not a lot to lose and they can raise their name so you would have a stacy abrams jump in a gavin newsom jump in a, a fetterman jump in an ocasio cortez jump in um you're not going to have a lot of party establishment people do that to joe biden um but i do agree that he he fits all of the he fits all of the categories of someone who would who would definitely do that and I agree with you about the uh, 
I agree with you with the media stance on him that if even if he wins and the Democrats face a historic wipeout, 100 percent, he will be the story of the night. Yeah. And one final thought on him is that, you know, you, you mentioned like, uh, you know, his heart condition, if he even makes it to the pro- <laughs> he even makes it to election night. It is just absolutely hilarious that his opponent is actually a world-renowned heart surgeon. I mean, you couldn't write this any better. So (laughs) I wouldn't. So, yeah, I wouldn't at all be surprised if after, you know, at the end of the first Oz-Fetterman debate, Oz just goes full Temple of Doom Molaram on him and just puts his hand over his chest and pulls his heart out and just sets him on fire because stranger things have happened, right? Yeah. When are they, are they even talking about a debate schedule with him yet? Like, I know he's, there was some, like, controversy today where he was, Fetterman's Twitter account uh, said something about Oz, but the tweet came from somewhere in Boston, Massachusetts, was the, uh, was the location setting on it. So people are just kind of wondering what's going on with him. And he, I mean, he is, is there even a debate schedule or is he, he's not even out on the campaign trail at all right now? Is he, he? he is not out on the campaign trail. And from a story in the Philadelphia Inquirer recently, the earliest he is expected to actually go back out onto the campaign trail is in July. And so this is time right now that Oz is just like, I mean, like it's a gift from God right now because he's spending all this time consolidating his support after that very bruising divisive primary that happened on the Republican side. So, yeah, I mean, Oz has basically the entire month to himself while Fetterman is recovering slash doing God knows what, what a recovery schedule looks like for him. (laughs) Uh, I'm I'm pretty sure it just, it includes a doctor and a very tall ladder um, to be able to get there and listen to him. But no, I, I, I could I, I, I can see a lot of what you're saying with him. And I think he would be a name also that, you know, that they'll throw in there as 2024 approaches. It, I don't I mean, I don't know if, he, if he's a sitting senator in Pennsylvania, if he's going to uh, drop that in a year to go primary Joe Biden. But if he loses again, uh, that's something that I think could be also a realistic possibility. Yeah, for sure. All right. Thanks, Stephen. Appreciate it. As Thanks, always. Joe. Good to hear from you. Opie, we're just going to, like, plow through these guys. We're going to try to get everybody in. Uh, yeah. O- uh, Opie, Opie's apparently at the beach. So. Uh, uh, it's 100 degrees in Alabama, so I have fans on. Um, <laughs> How many fans do you have on right now? I, I'm, I'm on my back porch, and I think I have five out right now. Uh, but, yeah, got to love the South. Um, and God speaking of the South, you don't, I don't want to talk about it. Um uh, but the thing, speaking of the South, uh, my scenario I've been thinking of is what you mentioned. Either Biden decides not to run late or, like, he's polling so bad or Iowa's a disaster and he just decides to end it there. The factor in any Democratic primary I've seen so many people forget to mention is every, except for Kerry, every Democratic nominee in my lifetime has had at least some connection to the black vote in the South. Um, that is the base of the party in an in election uh, process. And it, so many people get it wrong when they mention who uh, older African-American voters vote for on Super Tuesday because, like, oh, they're going to vote for Cory Booker or Kamala Harris. They're not going to just vote because of someone's identity. They're genuinely smarter than that. Um, 
very much so. There's a famous story of Kamala just flailing helplessly in uh, South Carolina. And so I think there's really a couple names that if we're seeing an open primary kind of situation that are coming to mind. One, uh, Sliza got right, which is Governor Roy Cooper. Uh, he, he, when Republicans won everything in North Carolina in 2020, he destroyed his governor candidate. He's very popular there. And the other absolute wild card one, and I think it's regardless if he wins or not, but is Raphael Warnock. If he beats Walker, which, you know, Walker's is a bad candidate, but if he beats Walker, man, it may not, he may actually primary Biden because he is going to be the star left over from uh, Stacey Abrams' void. Because um, he's a candidate that, I don't know, it's, it's interesting to me coming from uh, his position as a pastor is really interesting. His He's pastoring uh, MLK's church. Um, and another thing is that historically the African-American voters in the South do not go for just who the media candidate is. Uh, a bunch of older African-American women and Southern women in South Carolina are not going to go all Yas Queen and go for AOC or Elizabeth Warren. It's just, it's never happened. It's, it's just, it's never happened. Bernie would have won the 2020 nomination if he went to one Baptist church in South Carolina during Trump's presidency, if he made any inroads, but he didn't. And so he got crushed there. So I think that's kind of the the area of the Democratic Party could be interesting. Who has inroads already? And that's Southern governors and a few Southern, like the last few Southern senators in the South. And, you know, if it's generally a flailing Harris versus AOC, I would not be shocked if Hillary started getting her name in there, especially if there's nothing left to lose. There's, there's, there's another, that's another name that uh, if, 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 she's been piping up a lot lately. And usually if, when that happens, it's usually strategic. So that's obviously another name to watch. If, 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 if Biden's at 28, if Biden's at 28 and it's looking to be a modern version of 1984, um, then yeah, I mean, and no one's willing to run. Yeah, just give it to Hillary and let her sacrifice another time. I mean, it could, because I don't know. It's gonna it's gonna be someone who has some relationship with the base of the party. It's not gonna be this absolute wild card. And that's why I don't see it being Newsom. Newsom probably couldn't name a city in South Carolina. Um, neither could AOC. AOC would rather be caught dead than visit a Baptist church. Um, Eric Adams couldn't. Um, I mean, if no one is running and Jim Clyburn endorsed someone, that's different. But if there's someone running who has inroads down here, that's the one. Uh, and right now, uh, Warnock's the guy I'm looking at uh, for 2024, especially if he beats Walker. So what? So what would be your scenario then? So that does Biden step aside, or but, is he, does Biden he, say he's running and he gets primaried? And then Warnock comes in and beats him. So what? What? How, I, how does I, the scenario for you game out? Or I think Biden most like run? Biden doesn't run. Either he announces like post midterm, or he games it. And Jill, looking at the primaries, like that everyone's kind of already beating him. Like kind of scenario where he he's not running. Um, Biden runs. He's going to win. Uh, probably he's going to win the South. Um, if no one of s- substantial. Credence is running against him who has connections down here. Because uh, uh, Alabama Democratic voters are not voting for AOC or Biden. It's just not going to happen. 
They, they will also vote for Stacey Abrams. State, you know, Stacey Abrams is a very good point. Uh, I think Stacey Abrams, people, the Democrats I talk to down here, uh, are really pissed she's even running this year because they see it as a red wave year, which it is, and like you're just going to lose. Why bother? Wait for 2026. And that mask photo really, really hurt her, even among Democrats. And so that's why I mentioned Warnock, because Warnock, for the most part, has kind of stayed above the fray a little bit. He's still probably going to lose just because Kemp's going to drag Walker over the end zone. Um, But Warnock's a guy that, I don't know, he's kind of stayed above the fray. Ossoff has as well, too. Uh, He doesn't, they don't have as much damaged goods as Abrams. But Abrams could definitely uh, run, and she's a, she's that big of a narcissist where she could primary Biden. I could see it. Uh, all all good thoughts. Uh, I don't think any of those any of those scenarios are too kooky kooky enough. I think they're all plausible. A Warnock would be an interesting candidate um, nationally, and you're right if he wins, which I think he probably is. I, I don't think Herschel Walker's going to win that. Um, so the, yeah, that that would be another name to throw in the mix. So, any finishing thing? Any finishing thing? No, I'm just glad my Blues were able to get two wins on the Avs. That's all I'm happy. Yeah, about. yeah, I'm, I am. I can't do. I can't do six more of these of these games. I'm old and no. fragile. And, uh, I was sitting there watching. I was sitting there watching the Az game, and uh, my brother was. Are you cheering? I was texting him, and I'm like, every ga- every goal the Az scored, I just went, okay, okay, okay. Like I didn't cheer at all, and I'm just like, is the fucking lightning are going to come back? And then they did, and I'm just like, I can't do. I can't do six more of these. They better. They better win like one more at home, and then they better win the next game three on the road. But if you don't, the lightning are just going to keep coming. So yeah. I'm, well, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a nervous fucking wreck just watching these games. It's a great matchup, but it'll be a fun rest of the series. Yeah, All right. hopefully. We'll see. Cheers, Opie. Stay cool. Thanks, Steve. <laughs> Sounds like Opie's, like, driving a hovercraft across, like, the swamps of Alabama. Joseph, same thing. Uh, one of the scenarios that I gave, does Biden run? Does he not run? Is he primary? Does he make it? Uh, what do you think happens? And what are, what are some interesting names that you think are out there? Uh, should any of those other scenarios happen? I'm having, ha- Joseph, I'm having trouble hearing you. Do, do you have speakerphone or do you have something that you can uh, pump the volume up a little bit? You're, you're really, really super faint, dude. Okay, can you hear me now? Yep, yep that's better, 100%. All right, here we go. Um, So I said Biden will not run just simply for the fact he's too fucking old and every day it's like, each gas gets worse than the other. And it seems like every every fucking week he's like sputtering to the finish line. So as for possible names, I'm not sure because I'm kind of drawing a couple blanks. It's like, it's obviously not going to be Kamala Harris because like her approval, rate, her approval ratings are also dismal. I think if they ran AOC, like she would obviously get like, you know, like she'd be the darling of the media, darling of Twitter, darling of Instagram, darling of TikTok. But unfortunately, like, like most not a majority of the country's not on those sites anyway and plus like i don't think she would make much 
in Rhodes for a Democratic base. I think the one I'm kind of leaning towards that make, makes somewhat sense would be Pete Buttigieg because he did make some inroads like in his like short like presidential camp like in his short like presidential candidacy in 2020. So how do you how do you think that that plays out? If it's let's say let's 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 go with that. So let's say it's Pete Buttigieg. <clears throat> Does he resign from the Biden cabinet prior to running, or is he a sitting cabinet in, in transportation secretary in next year? And he 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 says, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna primary my boss here. Or are you suggesting that Biden says I'm not running, so you have an open primary? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I said like Biden wouldn't run, and then you have an open primary. And then and then of course then you think it would be Buttigieg would be probably the most likely over yeah, over over Harris. Do you do you think who do you think the media jumps behind in that scenario? Uh, probably Buttigieg, since, like, he is a gay man, and, too, like, they know they can't, like, defend Kamala much anymore. You don't really see it too much, especially after, like, so many of her fuck-ups, given, like, the handling of the border crisis and the way she kind of dodges, like, sort of hard media questions. And plus, they, they, like, they know in the back of their minds, like, they know that she's not likable. What are you talking about? She's now, she's now in charge of solving online name-calling. I missed that one. <laughs> so your scenario is Biden doesn't run. <clears throat> he steps aside and then there's an open primary and Buttigieg would be the one to come out on top of that. Who do you, who else do you think jumps in besides Buttigieg and Harris? Uh, I'm not sure. I'm not sure how who else would like jump in because like they're the Democrats like sort of like a campaign field is just so slim because like, who else you got? Bernie? Too old? Elizabeth? She's getting up there anyway. Um, AOC, I don't, like I said, I'm not sure. Like, that could be a maybe. That she'll probably throw her hat in the ring since she will be like 35 if she's ever elected. Uh, she will be, she will be 35 at the time next year. Uh, to run for president, which be her first one. And people wonder why I throw her out there. <clears throat> and I, there's a few reasons. One, I think she thinks she's more influential than she is. She, you know, she sees, she gets a million or so people watching her Instagram. The media follows it. She gets on there, she talks about margaritas. So she's trying to be relatable and, and the stuff. And two, she, she is the only name that really fills the Bernie Sanders lane. And so uh, if there's an open primary, I could possibly see Bernie getting in there and going for a fourth house. Uh, he's he's the same age as Biden, though. So again, you're going to run into the same age questions, and that's why that's why I think he would incur he would encourage her to run, and he would campaign with her, almost like a running mate. Um, how she would do, I don't know, but she could also use. Let's say she goes she she campaigns across the country she flames out let's say she makes it through two primaries doesn't make it to super tuesday flames out well she's going to be in our lives for the next 30 years regardless so she's going to be someone who would use that and then inform four years especially if you have another trump term or three more trump terms depending on getting him out of there um she's someone that i could see run again and run again until she's 45 50 years old and then finally the country just goes all right fine just give her the job if she shuts up 
Um, so like people have asked me why I'm convinced about that. And I'm not convinced, but if there's one, just one wild card name out there that would, uh, shock the world, so to speak, it would be her. And she would, she would be running against, uh, she'd be running on a platform of a youth movement and saying, look, our leaders in Washington are too old. They don't even know how to use the internet. They think it's a series of tubes. Nancy Pelosi is a 147 year old daywalker. Um, Joe Biden, it has to be, is falling apart at the seams. Whenever he walks across the lawn, we're afraid his ear is going to fall off, uh, like Brundlefly. Um, <laughs> and so I look at that, that would be her platform saying, we, you know, it's a young world. It's a young, you know, country and we need more energy. And I can see that having a measure of success, uh, especially in our media and especially on, you know, the very, the way too online political left on Instagram and Twitter, I don't know how she plays nationally, but I'm just setting up how I think that this would play out. So that's why I that's why I throw her name out there. Um, I think she's going to be miserable in the in the House minority to the point of she probably ends up resigning her seat and, you know, trying to go to MSNBC or something. So that's kind of how that's people have asked me why I throw her name out there. And that would be why. Yeah, I, I see that's a possible scenario, too, though. I don't think she would ever go to like MSNBC. I she, I believe she would go like where the with the. With the, with the money where the money is at like say like going on twitch online and say like having her own like little twitch stream where she's talking about politics or kind of do something similar say like uh chang uger's nephew like hassan piker does because hassan piker is like a hugely popular like streamer and like hot uh largely popular like leftist youtuber so i could probably see her kind of do that because she because she does like where her influence is and she, it could see like a possible route for her, given the fact that like, um, she's extremely popular with the youth, like you said, with like millennial and Gen Z. So she's probably gonna go like where the iron is hot. Uh, that's that's also another interesting observation. So, do you have any uh, closing thoughts? Any anyone else uh, pop up? Any uh, any other names that pop out that you think would would jump out there? No, I think as of right now, that's probably the only two possible names, but. Or it will be very, very boring. It will be one of the two things. So, <laughs> Joseph, thanks again. It's good to hear from you. All right. Thank you. Matt, give me your craziest scenario you see heading into 2024. Does Biden step aside? Does he run? Are there primaries? Does he lose? Who do you, what do you see uh, in your wildest scenario happening for 2024 and uh, old Joe Biden? Hey, Stephen, can you hear me? Yep, you're good. All right, excellent. Um, I don't know about wildest, but I I don't know. I think they're probably going to reevaluate after the midterms and see what um, and check back after that result comes in. Because if it's a just absolutely total red wave, I actually think Biden will step down. Um, but otherwise, like unless it's just unless it's completely one sided and. Democrats lose a ton of seats and it's historic. I don't see Biden stepping down. I think he's he's been running, like you said, he's been running for this job for his entire life. And now that he has it, I don't see him letting go of it unless it is made abundantly clear to him. And even then, I don't know if he has the mental capacity to say, okay, I'm severely hurting this party. I need to, I need to not run again. Um, so I, I see him almost certainly trying to run and then again if they get absolutely blown out in the midterms i 
think they're going the Democrats are going to have to primary him um, because. So could you see the party? You so you could, could you see the party abandoning him? So the actual Democrat Party yes. apparatus throwing their weight and their money behind primary candidates then? Yeah, I think so. I, I, yeah, I think the only way that Biden had, or I don't think Biden has any chance against anyone. I think even Trump walks all over him. And I think Trump is probably the weakest candidate that the, that the Republicans can put up. And if Biden is still the nominee, I think Trump is also going to be the nominee. And it's just going to be a real litigation of 2020. And it's just going to be awful again. <laughs> yeah, there's no, uh, there, there's, I always, I always like to use the Harvey Dent uh, saying from uh, The Dark Knight, which is there's, there's no escape from this. We're, we're not getting out of this in, uh, in a hopeful manner. Um, yeah, I, I, as I said on my podcast, I kind of liken that to the LBJ scenario where, he doesn't want to step aside, but he sees the political headwinds, obviously, with Vietnam, and we don't have that happening yet. Um, but he sees the political headwinds, and he just says, you know, I'm, I will not accept your nominee for president or whatever. Um, I, that's something I could, I could completely see where everybody knows that he's stepping aside because of how bad the economy is, his, obviously his age. He might have a health condition we're not we don't know about we don't that is public um so they again he would step aside under the guise of you know uh i guided the country through the pandemic and i got rid of trump and i'm and i'm the conquering hero and i've done my part and i think it's time to just exit the stage and of course the media would give him a standing ovation to all of that when deep down underneath everybody knows he would be stepping aside because of how unpopular and how bad things are going in the country Right. Um, funny little anecdote. I was, as I stopped for gas in Wellesley, Massachusetts, um, that conservative bastion there, and on the gas pump there were like three Biden. I did that stickers. So yeah, those are those are being investigated now as hate crimes in some of these places. Those like there was somebody who was just arrested for vandalism for putting that sticker on a gas pump, and I'm just I started laughing. I'm like, can you can you imagine right it. now? With, with what's going on in some of these cities, that that's your fucking priority, a guy putting a sticker on a gas pump. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's everywhere. That's the thing. It's, he's underwater uh, in places where Democrats haven't been underwater in decades. And, of course, we just saw a special election in Texas uh, that, you know, they've held since 1870, which was a year Joe Biden came to Congress. And they lost that. So the writing is on the wall and they don't have any quick answers. So that's it's interesting of how, when the timing of these articles came out um, with The New York Times. And then, of course, The Atlantic follows up. And now you have Saliza jumping in and CNN. And it's if, if, if it's like this in the public right now, where, where Democrat operatives are openly talking to The New York Times about this, that Biden's too old and this isn't going to work for a second term. That should tell you what kind of alarm bells are going on behind the scenes, uh, because if they're talking to The New York Times about this, it means that this is this is an actual legitimate concern story happening behind closed doors with the Democratic Party. Absolutely. Um, last point that I'll make, and I found it interesting that Hillary Clinton's name got brought up and I wasn't really thinking about her at all until now, but. Now that you mention it, it would be very interesting if Biden stepped aside and nominated or in, endorsed Hillary. If 
I think that only happens if Trump is in the race, and then we can get a relitigation of 2016. Yeah, and Hillary gets her even gets even her. even further down the circles of hell. Um, exactly. I, I don't I don't see him endorsing Hillary over his own vice president. Um, I I think if Biden steps aside, he has to endorse Kamala. Like to me, the way I look at it is this: if if we get the if we get the evening speech right, he walks out and he gives the speech, or he does it from the Oval Office. My fellow Americans, and he gives the speech that he's stepping aside, and, and the next day it's just full guns. You know, eight Democrat candidates now start making phone calls like, "Oh shit, we need to get the door," and Kamala says that she's obviously going to run. I think all the attention turns to her immediately. And I don't see a world where he doesn't endorse her almost right off the bat. And But I also see a world where even if he does that, they look at her popularity ratings and she ended up dropping out before Iowa after getting shivved on the stage by Tulsi Gabbard. Uh, I don't think that that stops candidates from not jumping in. I don't see any candidates deferring to her. And that was a big part of the New York Times story that candidates wouldn't, even if Biden endorsed her right out of the bat and said, you know, I'm I'm stepping aside, but I'm going uh, I'm going to endorse Kamala Harris as should be the party nominee going forward because it's my vice president, et cetera, et cetera. You're not going to see any candidates go, oh, in that case, you know, I'm not going to run because they know about her popularity rating. They know that she's not popular in the country. They know that she's fake and they know that she's not even popular with Democratic voters. Yeah, I mean, she checks all the boxes and they would support her if they had to. But um it would be very much like Hillary Clinton in 2008, which is, I guess we're just going to vote for this bag. And then Obama jumps in and they were like, Oh, fuck her. We're done. We don't, we don't have to pretend to like her. Um, and so I, I don't, I don't, I could see Hillary is a media candidate. Media would go, we need, we need someone, we need someone with the experience and the, and the stable hand to guide us through Putin and all of this stuff. But um, unless Kamala loses the primaries, then of course Biden would endorse her, but I don't. I don't see Biden endorsing someone like Hillary over Kamala Harris. He's he's stuck with Kamala Harris for for good or bad, and you know that's that's the price that that party pays for not thinking these things through, and just saying, hey, you know, we need we need the we need the candidate that can hit all the diversity boxes, and who if we if we choose her, she's going to give up a safe California Senate seat, which we can just fill. It's not going to have to be you know it's not going to be a close race. Um, but now, now they're stuck with her, and so for for better or for worse. So um, Hillary is an interesting name, but I just I don't see Biden endorsing her over. I don't see Biden endorsing Hillary over Kamala. That's true. I still don't believe that Biden didn't nominate or uh, didn't pick Harris as a as kind of retribution for uh, calling him racist on stage. Yeah. And that's Jill Biden. There's the reports that Jill Biden was like, why, why are you making him pick the one person who called him a racist? (laughs) And they just were like, well, we need her. We need to have, you know, out of all the, out of all the candidates that he was looking at, you know, she was the safest pick. Val Demings was a prosecutor and a cop. Uh, What's her name? Karen Bass is uh, the second they dug into her far left you know, Marxist communist past, she was off the, she was off the books as well. Um, and then obviously Stacey Abrams was mounting that, you know, public campaign to be chosen vice president. And I don't think Joe Biden wanted a food taster, uh, you know, with him all of the time. So, I mean, Kamala just made sense for that moment, but that's the Democrats problem. They can't think beyond that moment. Right. Well, 
I'll get out of the way and let others talk. But thank right, you Matt. very much, Cheers. Stephen, uh, and cheers. Yeah, Samuel's up. Um, Samuel, what do you see happening in 2024? Does does Joe Biden make it? Does he step aside? Is is it? Do we just get the most boring thing possible, which is he says he's running and they all say okay, or does he get primary challenge? And who do you see that being? And d- does he end up losing primaries? Or give me your own weird, kooky, crazy scenario. I think there are only two real scenarios. I think there is option A, which is where Biden runs. Because I, I cannot imagine him volunteering, voluntarily step down. I, I just don't see that. I don't care that he's an old, demented man. He's been running for this since 1988. He's not going to stop now. He's clearly in denial about how things are going. So I can't see why that would persuade him to step away. Because while everyone else might know things are bad, he doesn't seem like he knows that things are not going well. I would agree with that. That's another that's another interesting thing that's a part of this is I would agree when he says he doesn't believe the polls and he talks about how, you know, blaming the spending package for inflation is bizarre. And it's kind of like he's either in a state of denial or the people are handing him these talking points are in a state of denial. So I would also agree with that. He probably says, I've been a good president and I'm going to keep I'm going to keep going. So I think in an option B, I think there's only two ways he gets forced out. Option A, obviously, if he dies. Option two, or uh, part two of over health problems, NSA, kind of what they're doing to Diane Feinstein in California. Originally, all the talk about her having dementia and not having her mind was during the recall of Newsom because they were scared that a Republican would get elected governor, she would die, and he would nominate a Republican to that seat. So that's where the, that original talk came from. So I think that if there were anonymous leaks about his mental state, they could try forcing him out that way. I I do not think there would be a real primary of him or a real public, we need to move on from Joe Biden while Joe Biden's still alive. I think there might be whispers and try to get him to step down, but I don't really see a scenario where they actually force him out publicly. I, you know, as much as, uh, Democrats are, uh, you know, knives in the back and everything. They're, they do not turn on their own candidates very often, I don't think. You know, Hillary was an awful candidate, but once she was the nominee, you know, there really wasn't any backstabbing from Bernie, um, despite the fact of everything that went on there. So I don't think they would publicly reject him. I do think that they might try to get him out behind the scenes um, and get him to step down that way. So who do you think would be leading that process? Who do you think would be the Democrats going, we need to get Joe out, he's too old? Is it somebody like Elizabeth Warren that leaks to the press? Is it an AOC? Is it just the party? Um, who's What's the guy's name? Harrison, I think his name is the DNC, the guy who lost <laughs> Lindsey Graham. That was a, that was a good choice. Um, <laughs> so who, how do you see that playing out behind the scenes then? Yeah, um, I would say just the party as a whole. I think, again, I think it's one of those, he's convinced everything's going well. Everybody else can see the writing on the wall. But like my thing with the whole Bernie and Warren and even AOC, you know, we everyone likes to portray them as against the establishment and um, outside the party and they'll primary their own people. And to some extent that's true. 
But at the, if we look at Bernie, for example, Bernie's like the ultimate team player. doesn't matter that he's some stupid independent. He's the ultimate team player. He's all, he, you know, he's all in for Joe Biden. Elizabeth Warren's all in for Joe Biden. I don't really see them um, publicly coming out against him. I think the party as a whole might come, you know, behind the scenes and try to force him out. But I, I don't really see, you know, and I also can't see AOC running just because I think the first time she gets on a debate stage, she'll get attacked and she'll start crying. And I don't think that she, she wants that for herself. But um, I, I just think the party as a whole will want to move on. But as long as he's in that chair, he's under no obligation to anybody to stay out of the race. And I don't think that would keep him out. Yeah, I mean, that's another part of this is ultimately if he steps aside, I think it's, it comes down to him or it comes down to Jill Biden, you know, convincing him. I don't think anybody else can do that. I don't think, you know, that's something he just decides on his own, unless, again, he has a health condition that we don't know about or something that forces him to, to face that. Um, I think he's a real stubborn dude. And uh, I agree with you that um, he, he, if he's in that job, it's real hard to get him out unless he's forced out. And again, primary is a way of forcing him out. Um, so... Yeah, I mean, all all good thoughts about it. I think you're right on, you know, his general mental makeup, which is, again, um, you know, I'm not going to go anywhere because I'm not the problem with the country. And also, I'm the only guy who can beat Donald Trump is the other argument that you mm-hmm. raised. Yeah, exactly. Um, and I, I just, for a closing thought, just if there was, if he did happen to die and there was an open primary, first of all, and if he did step down, and I, I would say he would probably endorse Kamala, though I think Jill Biden would not be too happy about that, as previously alluded. But if there was an open primary, I don't think that Kamala wipes out the field. I think that there that there will be a number of challengers regardless. And a couple of just dark horses. I like some of the names that were mentioned. I like the Warnock one because he's actually, I think, besides DeSantis, I think he's raised the most money for the 2022 uh, elections. I think he was raised like 74 million. So that's a, a feather in his cap. Uh, and I like, I don't like Hillary Clinton, but I think, you know, she's clearly, like you said, she's per- pocket popping her head up again. So clearly she wants in um, just some other ones. I would say Nina Turner. Uh, she's addicted to losing. And she talked about after she lost again to Chantel Brown, God bless that um, she's not done. So I totally think she could run for president as a legitimate Looney Tune progressive. Uh, even though she's in the Bernie camp, I don't think she's as loyal as Bernie. And she'd be willing to just knives out on the stage. Um, Stacey Abrams is my pick in an open primary. Um, I don't care if she loses again. I, it's not something going for her, but she didn't really lose because, um, it, you know, the election was rigged. So, she, you know, she's going to have two wins in her cap. As will um, this next one be, regardless of what yeah, happens. Yeah. And, you know, she's, um, you know, she's a black woman. She's got a couple of different uh, organizations where, yeah, you know, she's really just making money off of them. But she's got some grassroots organization. And I think that she could be a popular pick. Um, she's pretty much everything they want in a politician. Uh, and then uh, third, I, I would say Jared Polis in Colorado. Um, you know, he's one a little bit more radical you know, with that full uh, abortion bill, you know, crazy shit like that. But I think that he, you know, he kind of comes from a purplish state um, and seen as more moderate. 
but even though I don't really think he is, but he was more moderate on COVID. I think he might want in. And then I do like the Fetterman pick uh, earlier as well. I think providing his heart doesn't explode before then, um, I think he would be an interesting one as well. Yeah, we we hope Fetterman makes it to this election as well. And that, you know, Brad Pitt and Morgan Freeman aren't, you know, overseeing his corpse somehow as the first <laughs> casualty of seven. Um, yeah, I mean, all good thoughts. Polis is an interesting one. I agree with you. He's more radical than he comes off. But because he he bucked the party orthodoxy on things like masks, um, he's not going to suffer for that, which people forget. People aren't going to forget who the party of masking kids was for, you know, the last year and a half to two years. And so because he kind of bucked party orthodoxy on some of those things, um, I can I can see that one as well. He'd be an interesting pick. But I agree with you. He's a lot more radical than he lets on behind that persona. So, yeah, all, all good thoughts. Yeah. And just final thing on Polis, I would just say is my whole thing with the abortion bill is he doesn't if he runs. He wouldn't want to be the candidate on stage who could be attacked as being not pro-choice enough. So I think that that might be um, something he was looking at when he signed that bill is that, you know, do I really want to get attacked as anti-choice on stage with all these other wackos? So I, I, I think he's a legitimate dark horse. Maybe. And, and by then we'll already have the handmaid's tale because Roe v. Wade could be gone. So, um, <laughs> That'll be a that'll be a huge issue for the uh, for the Democrat women who are who are still allowed to speak, which is hopefully not many. Inshallah. <laughs> Great. All right. Well, Thanks, have a good everyone. one. Uh, I'm going to try to get through these last nine guys here. I think we have nine, eight or nine callers here, um, so we'll try to get through these, and then everyone can get on with their weekend. Zach, the floor is yours. What do you think happens? Does does the old man make it? Does he uh, step aside? Does he run? And if he runs, does he uh, get a primary challenge from anyone? And who do you think that would be? Um, I think he, he if he runs, he does get a primary challenge. I mean, um, do you think it's no a serious one? Yet. Is it one that he's going to have to go out and campaign against? Or do you think it's like a kooky one? Like, I don't know, um, pick one, Dennis Kucinich or something. Um, I think given given where he's at in terms of approval and what's going on, I think just about any challenge to him would be a serious challenge if, as long as they speak in complete sentences. Um, but Jimmy Carter was primaried uh, when he ran for re-election, and it was it was very close. He was primaried by Ted Kennedy. And the only reason that the Democrats didn't nominate Ted Kennedy was um, because he killed someone and they thought it would play bad in the general election. So, you know, there's a lot of comparison. Another, another interesting parallel to that is Ocasio-Cortez worked for Ted Kennedy in his office. So there's another fun link if, uh, if you want to get conspiratorial over this. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't. I'm just pointing out historically... Uh, Biden is in Jimmy Carter territory and Carter was primaried and had Ted Kennedy not driven drunk and killed a woman and covered it up. He would have lost uh, that primary. So um, I think all the names that people have mentioned have been um, on the money. Uh, there aren't a whole lot of, of 
popular Democrats in the South, other than the ones that have been um, mentioned, uh, did Chris Saliza, I'm currently uh, suspended from Twitter for hateful conduct. God damn it, Zach. What did you do? Well, that's just it. They suspended me, and I had to, like, look it up because it was old. All I did was there was some guy crying about people being racist, and so I screenshotted one of his old tweets where he said several racial slurs, and I replied to his post with that screenshot. So they suspended me for posting the screenshot, but not the original poster for actually saying the things. Okay, uh, I'll I'll uh, I'll allow it. I'll allow it. And and like I'm actually pissed because I've done like I've said a lot more hateful things on there, and they get me for that one. At least get me for a good one. <laughs> but um, did did CNN uh, did they mention Michael Avenatti since they were pushing him? Yeah, so there hard? you go. Uh, I I think he comes up for parole. Uh, sometime in 2024, unless he was just, I think he was handed another consecutive sentence uh, for three or four years. But that's a name. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Why not? I mean, the, I mean I've, if Fetterman isn't camp, I mean, Fetterman's like holed up in a room somewhere. So Avenatti could do it as well. Yeah. I mean, wouldn't shock me for him to him to get a pardon from Joe Biden on his way. Out. Oh, that yeah, so, that would be interesting. I didn't even thought about that. If uh, Biden would give Avenatti a pardon, that be that would be funny. And then he can run for president. Then he could, uh, and and he'd probably end up like a uh, Evan McMullen and not paying his vendors. Yeah, McMullen is now campaigning on the back of uh, Jen Rubin columns. And uh, as I've said on my podcast, I have stories about him that uh, I'll probably save for a book someday. Um, but yeah, not uh, that does not inspire confidence if you're using Jen Rubin columns to push your campaign in Utah. No, no, um, no. I I don't want to predict because the last time I I predicted a nominee was 2016. I was given tickets and a free trip to a Trump speech, and so I went, and afterwards, I said, I found his speech wildly entertaining, I found him a a great speaker, but he was not going to win the nomination, and I didn't even get paid six figures on CNN to be that wrong. Yeah, well, you weren't the only one uh, speaking right now who who was wrong about that prediction either, so, so you think, so you think that uh, Biden runs, but he definitely gets a primary and how do you think that that goes? Do you think he comes out of it, or do you think uh, he possibly loses a primary? Which would be historical, unheard of for a president, but Joe Biden is in historical territory right now. Uh, yeah, I, I think he, um, if he makes it and, and decides to run again, I think he gets primaried, and I do think he loses it. Um, I think Jimmy Carter would have, would have lost it if... Um, you know, a, a better candidate had challenged him. But you don't. So, you don't have a prediction on who he would lose it to. No, it, it, there's. It's too early. I mean, you know, the way things are going, uh, DC could be wiped off the map before then. If there's a, a merciful God in heaven, 
he might do that for us. <laughs> uh, keep praying, Zach. That that would be my uh, that would be my advice to you on that one. So, uh, any closing thought on, on any of this? Um, no. Just you ever finish Elden Ring finally, like the rest oh, of us? Oh God, I, I'm at I'm at I'm at the final two bosses with one of my guys, and I can't fucking beat either of them. So I have I have to go back and either respect and you know pump up some stats to try it, but I'm lazy. I don't want to have to do that. Um, for the fun of it, I, I've kind of looked at it to where I haven't played it in a couple of, in a couple of weeks. I've kind of looked at it like, ah, oh, fuck it. I beat the game, you know, like whatever. Um, I did roll for fun, a brawler, um, who just uses fists and that has just been fun as hell. Um, just like the amount of blood that comes out of bad guys when you hit the, hit them with the, uh, the Invictus fist with the spikes on them. Um, just to see, I don't know if I'm gonna. I don't know if I'm gonna roll that all the way to the end because I could. I could foresee some difficulty, uh, but rolling the brawler is, was just awesome for the first like f- first few levels where you just just go up and just beat the crap out of guys. So no, I have not. I have not beat the final two, the one optional boss and then the, the final boss. Um, so I will. I'll get around to it. But I'm kind of just like I got frustrated with it. I'm like f this. So I'll come back to this. Do this. There's an Asha War called Flame of the Red Mains. You get it? You yeah, I it. have that. I have that for my brawler. Um, yeah, use that on use that on the on the final boss, and you'll stagger him quickly. Also, use Moog. Use his great rune that most people don't know what it does, but use it, and then when you summon, it actually uh, beefs up your summon. And so that makes it easier to get through the last two bosses. Okay, I will take I will take the advice. Yeah, I had the flames of Redmain on my on my brawler, and it's just hilarious. Like just the flame damage he inflicts on it, it's just like unfair. Um, but uh, I will look at I will look at going to. I think I got it for the guy that I, I'm at the end with. So I'll look at trying that out um, one of these nights when I feel like uh, more self inflicted punishment. So, Zach, yeah. thanks. It was good good to hear from you. You too. Talk to you later. Cheers. Yeah, bye. And we're just going to kind of plow through these here. Uh, Dan, same thing to you. What scenario do you see playing out? Does does Biden make it to 2024? If so, does he have a primary or does he step aside based on how well things are currently going with his presidency? Hey, can you hear me? Yeah, you're a little faded. If you can can, uh, get some more volume, that'd be great, but I can hear you. I think the candidate's going to have to be some, like the winning candidate's going to have to be someone that isn't really well known right now, like because all the ones that like Rizzo listed pretty much have already been rejected by the Democratic voters. So. Yeah, I would agree. Yeah, they they have been, and that's another part of this. These are all kind of retreads, um, and we saw how that went. And so I, I guess I, the problem with having it being a new person is they're not going to have a deep bench coming out of 2022 and their party is going to be at historical lows in Congress. Yeah, that's true. But I, I do like some of the names that I mentioned. Like I was going to mention Polis, but I think you mentioned him already, but also Warnock. I hadn't thought about him, but that sounds like a pretty good um, 
Yeah, I'm. I'm. It's interesting. I'm. A lot of people are talking about Raphael Warnock, and that's that's not one that I had even thought of or considered. But it's it's kind of just funny as uh, people speaking in the room. Everyone has kind of brought him up, so I'm kind of like, yeah, okay, sure. I guess we take him seriously. So your your scenario is he steps aside, and then there's there's an open primary. Interesting. Um, well, thank you for that, Dan. Cheers. Um, we're going to keep going. Yeah, it's, I mean, what's funny, just with, with all of these, with all of the callers here, there seems to be kind of a consensus here. There's not, I don't think one person, and maybe we'll get this person here in the final uh, five or six, but it's interesting that nobody, nobody talking has said, nope, Biden's going to run and he's going to run unopposed and he's going to be the nominee. So, um, I guess that that's where we're at. Josh, what are your thoughts on this? I would have said that he would have run un- unopposed uh, <clears throat> this time around. But and that's all the stuff coming out. Uh, it looks an awful, awful lot like they're trying to find someone to replace him. So, yeah, I think maybe he does step aside or more likely he just gets primaried. But they don't have anybody on their bench. So I don't know what's going on. It's just going to be a bunch of retreads from 2016, 2020. I think it's I funny, think it's funny how openly they're talking about this like they're talking about this like joe biden has like terminal cancer and he's not i mean that's what that to me is like the more like the hilarious thing about all of this it's like biden's just walking around the white house like dude i'm still here like i can hear you (laughs) you know like it's it's weird that this has become such an open topic and in the past that there were there were whispers about this um, but again, it was mainly something happening on the right and people like me openly talking about this. But the fact that this is just out in the open with him and he's just sitting there reading the New York Times and he can see CNN. And it's just like, how, how does that make that dude feel like I'm not dead yet? You know, I am still the fucking president. And like the media is just out here. Here are the 10 names to watch for 2024. Yeah, so the. Any other profession, someone's going to get kicked out of there. Like, this guy's too old to do this job. He can't be running machinery. But no, president, it's okay when you're in charge of the nukes. Yeah. yeah. And there's a clip today of Jill Biden pulling him away from reporters. I don't know how many of you saw this. He was on his way to <laughs> Delaware again. And Jill Biden walks up. He's, he's sitting there talking to reporters. And she just walks up and stares at him and goes, we got to go. Like, oh, I'm <laughs> sorry. Does the, does the country get in your way, ma'am? <laughs> And so he like ends up running off to the helicopter and I'm just like, oh my, and that's what I mean. I don't know how willing she is to give up the Oval Office. There was like the clips from Easter where she's like, okay, now you have to wave. No, no, no. You just sit there, Joe. And he's just like, just getting humiliated by his wife on national television. Um, So I don't, again, I don't know how anxious she is to actually give all of this up. So it, it is funny to me that there's just, there's these open discussions about him being replaced and he's, and he's just like, no, I'm, I'm running. I'm, I feel great. I'm like 60 years old. I have been told I intend to run again. I think that, yeah, Samuel brought up Jared Polis and, you know, I live out here in Colorado, but I live in Lauren Boebert's district. So it is not at all like what you see on the front range. He's Biden is not a popular man out here. So um, Jared Polis is an unusual character because I think he's a perfect fit for Colorado because outside of the front range cities, you've got a bunch of nothing but uh, rednecks with their guns out here. And it's fine with me. I, I grew up like that, but 
he, he's got to walk a fine line. So he could be able to appeal to moderates, but he's secretly so radicalized. Don't think that he would last too long, especially since they could attack him for other things, especially if they really believe in the COVID stuff that he was just really light on. Yeah, he, yeah Polis, he, Polis, Polis would be uniquely positioned because of, you know, obviously if you're not, if your GOP nominee is DeSantis, Polis can say, hey, I didn't mask kids either, you know, and so uh, as far as like COVID restrictions, which would be a huge thing. Um, and of course, you know, DeSantis is in a position where he could hit Trump from the right saying, well, you're, you're the guy who didn't fire Fauci, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but Polis is kind of uniquely positioned in that way to where, you know, he, he cancels out a lot of what DeSantis would run on as far as COVID restrictions. Um, yeah, he, he's, an, he's, an, he's an interesting name floating out there just from what I've seen and heard of him. I don't know if he has kind of the, the natural charisma to be a national politician. But, um, I mean, again, you, you would have, you know, a gay, a gay white man would be running in the race and that meets all the boxes for the media. And he is kind of detached from uh, a lot of the stuff Biden is doing. A lot of the D.C. Democrats can't say that. Buttigieg is attached to Joe Biden. Kamala Harris is attached to Joe Biden. Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren voted for, you know, the the uh, spending package. So, you know, you would be looking at, you know, Democrats. Gavin Newsom's not really attached to Joe Biden. And so that's another aspect of all of this, where if there is an open primary, it would be because Joe Biden's unpopular or he's too old. Those are generally the two rules or he's not living anymore. Um, and you would be looking at Democrats that wouldn't would have the furthest detachment away from him. And that would be people like Polis, Newsom, Stacey Abrams, maybe Warnock. I mean, it depends on Warnock voted for his packages and stuff like that. So, you know, yeah, interesting, interesting names, interesting thoughts there. Yeah. All right. Thanks for letting Cheers, me Josh. Thanks for joining. Um, we're going to, I'm going to wrap up with, uh, Stephen here. Um, I think it's what S Andrew, Robert, Stephen, uh, who else is back there? Uh, Mike, Donna, we'll, we'll end with Craig. So we'll end with these last seven callers. Cause I know Donna's back there, Mike. So Craig, uh, get, get your hot take ready. Cause you're going to send us home. S welcome. Welcome to versus media lad on Colin. Uh, what are your thoughts on any of this? Does Joe Biden make it to 2024? Does he run unopposed? Uh, does he step aside? And if so, who do you think steps in that uh, race? Hey, Stephen, can you hear yep, me? Yep, you're good. Okay, name's Scott. I don't know why it comes up with S, but whatever. Um, I think they have, they're going to have to wheel his body out. Um, he's just not going to leave. Like you, Like everybody said, he's been doing this for... 40 plus years and he finally has it um my next prediction is that so let's so so if they have so if they can't get rid of him do they do they say okay we're gonna have primaries then or do you think he just that's it the party just says that's our guy the the 177 year old man is the guy we're going with i with with the with the 35 percent approval rating i actually think Kamala would just shiv him again and release a bunch of behind-the-scenes stuff from the White House. She's in a position people... to do it physically now, though, too. I mean, that, that's true. It's no longer meta- a metaphor. So, I, yeah. So, I that's where I think this goes. I, I'm just trying to think of the most outlandish thing that they would do. Um. I don't know if she's old enough, but let's just throw out like them doing celebrities like Jennifer Lawrence or Matthew McConaughey. 
or Steve Kerr. I somebody, like somebody else, is. somebody else threw out McConaughey too. Uh, somebody on Twitter said that McConaughey could could run for president. And again, that's another thing. McConaughey twenty twenty four, and it's like, hey, I, I'm still alive over here, you know. <laughs> so yeah, I I like like a thousand people have said is I just don't know what bench the Democratic Party has. Um, you just have a bunch of these mediocre people who just dropped out at 2 or 3% during the last primary. And for whatever reason, we weren't satisfied with President Boomerdad. We decided to go with somebody from the silent generation. Yeah, and they're running out of the retreads. I mean, we've seen, you know, obviously Obama was the anomaly, and I talked about that on the podcast where, you know, and this is the other name I see people throwing out in comments and stuff is Michelle Obama, and there's a reason I don't put her in there because she has zero interest in doing this job. And you're not even seeing media talk about her. And, of course, the whole gig there, they did this with Hillary fucking Clinton back in 96 and 98, which was uh, Hillary ran for the New York Senate seat, and that was a completely generated campaign where it was, uh, Hillary, you you should run for that New York seat. That would be great, huh? And then she did it and she wins. And the whole goal of that was for her to then run for president, win, so we they could have four more years of the party boy in the White House. And that's that's a, that's essentially the same plan that where you hear the whispers with Michelle Obama, which is, yeah, you would you can run. But then that means we get Barack back in there. And so he would actually be which is just insulting as hell if you're a woman and if you're Michelle Obama. Um, but that's the other name that people talk about as far as when you say celebrities. And I just I, I don't think it's a serious suggestion. So I don't I, I leave her completely out of it because, one, she hates the she hated Washington, D.C. She hated living in the White House. She hated politics and she just wants nothing to do with it anymore. I, I would not put it past them to or at least uh, Jill Biden to throw her hat. <laughs> Dr. Like, Jill Biden, excuse me. I'm sorry. Yes, the doctor the doctor is in the White House. Uh, but I, I can I can see that happening. Uh, just be you know, the this is the carrying on of Biden's legacy, just one more round. I don't know how they'd sell it, but Well they'd sell it that know, she's, she's already in, in charge right now. <laughs> which it looks like she is at times. That's true. Um, yeah, that's all I got. I'm just thinking, I I don't know who it is, so I've just I've just sat in on this call in, just throwing names out. So so you're so we have Scott's thing is Joe Biden's going to run unopposed, and they can't do anything about it. Which yep. I think you're the first one to do that. So thank you for that, Scott. You're welcome. Uh, moving, um, I'm going to move on to Andrew. Thanks again, Scott. Um, I don't know why it's not showing up as S either. So, Andrew, um, um, you made it in um, before I cut I cut you off this week. So uh, that's good. So give me your thoughts. What do you, what do you see happening here with 2024 and Joe Biden? Um, well, my actual idea for this is that there um, – recently I was listening to one of the extra episodes of Constitutionally Speaking with Luke Thompson and Jay Cost. Uh, and you know Luke Thompson's this really smart Republican person, um, operative, and uh, what he said is that the current um, Democratic zeitgeist is to always nominate a Frost Belt liberal. So 
Obama was, I mean, is from the North. Uh, Biden's from the North. So, so is Kerry and, and after she stole a seat, Hillary. And, but they also are obsessed with things like um, gender. So if I had to make a guess, I am due to the incompetence of the Michigan GOP, I'd actually put my money on Gretchen Whitmer. She um, she's, has a base in the African-American um, suburbs of Detroit. She's, um, she's a woman, so she's, that'll appeal to people. She was already, yes, queened as an example of something besides DeSantis. If she wins, and she probably will because they don't, we don't actually have a, a candidate to face her really in Michigan. So she would probably be in some ways one of the to, – to meet a lot of these ideas – and she already kind of likes it, and she was already an example of someone who might have been one of Biden's VPs, but she didn't go, so she's not connected to all the crap that's going on currently in what, Washington. What is her popularity? I assume you're in Michigan, or you're speaking from a part of I, like I've, I've where, been, you're, where you're you're expert on Michigan. What is her popularity right now in Michigan? I'm, I'm kind of in the dark. Fifty-two percent fifty-two percent approval rating. So not particularly bad, but you know, after all, after she literally forced um. She she was more or less following the Cuomo plan of forcing um, elderly people into retirement homes to die off during COVID. So, you know, she came out better than than that in that situation. And actually, no, I'm not. But I've just been listening. But I've watched. But I've looked at a few of those things in the hope that she'd be gone. And unfortunately, that's not happening. <laughs> yeah, she's another interesting name. I mean, I think that when we talk about the Democratic bench, they are they are fairly deep. Look who look who the names that are coming up: Jared Polis, Gretchen Whitmer, Gavin Newsom. These are all obviously governors. Stacey Abrams, who would be in her second term as governor. Um, so, I mean, obviously, before the fit hit the shan for him, Andrew Cuomo was being floated as a nominee. Um, so that's really where the depth is, except Democrats don't generally have a hobby of electing governors. They, they far more, more times than not go for senators or, or, or what have you. So, um, but another interesting name, of course. So, so do, you think, do you think that she's someone who would primary him, or do you think that it's something where it's an open primary and Biden steps aside? I think it depends on what happens again during 2022. If she survives, but every, um, but you know, there's the huge wave that more or less annihilates so many other people around her. Uh, um, uh, you know, like Wisconsin's a disaster. To, um, the, um, for the Democrats, I'm, I'm, just to tell you how bad the Michigan GOP screwed up from what I've seen from out my outside there. I'm more willing to bet that Minnesota will have a Republican governor than, than Michigan. So, that just tells you all the the issues there so it's sort of like it looks like it would depend and if she could if fetterman doesn't become the saving grace of the democratic party she could especially if there's a general collapse of the democratic party in the in the midwest which it looks like it's going to happen huh interesting so you so so you so you do think that there's going to be an open primary in 2024 uh I really don't know. I don't know what goes on inside that tapioca brain that's currently um, sitting in the Oval Office. So, oh no, currently sitting on a beach in Delaware, but usually is supposed to be sitting in the in the Oval Office. So yeah, he, he's he's in Delaware more than he is at, at the White House. Which, oh, God bless him. The less we see of him, the better. So, uh, Andrew, any uh, closing thoughts? To wrap up. Uh, I just have to say, I really hope the Republicans are smart enough to, to nominate a, a guy in his mid-40s. And at the very least, it looks like his wife wants him to run. If you've been looking at some of those 
articles about how his wife is starting um, Casey DeSantis is encouraging Ron to run to become president. So fingers crossed. Uh, yeah, I, we'll see. I, I don't I don't put my faith in uh, political parties making the smart decisions. So but thank you, Andrew. Uh, Robert, uh, what do you what do you think? Do you think the old man makes 2024? If so, does he run unopposed? Or does he step aside or does he get primaried or your own fun kooky scenario? I really don't want to have to boot Robert because he has the, the cool picture, but give you a minute. Uh, Robert, if your microphone's on mute down at the bottom there, there's a microphone icon that should unmute you. Hate to move on from that, but now we're on a thing. So we'll go. Stephen, Mike, Donna, Craig. Uh, Stephen, floor is yours. What do you think on uh, what you've been hearing or any ideas or uh, this topic of Joe Biden possibly uh, stepping down before 2024 or uh, not running again? Hi, Stephen. Um, I don't, as regarding the scenarios, I think that uh, the DNC is going to rally behind Eric Adams, even though he's a total failure. Um you know, he checks a lot of boxes, you know, first time mayor, he's black. Um, it doesn't matter if he does poor, they're just going to, I feel like they're just going to rally behind him and maybe elevate Abrams or Kamala as vice president. But, um, and I mean, maybe we can get drill rap banned on YouTube too. Uh, yeah. So you think, so you think it would be, uh, they're going to push him aside for Kamala. Yeah, I do. Um, I don't really know how the scenario plays out with Joe Biden. Or you also said Eric um, Adams. So would that be uh, would that be he he challenges Biden, or it would would it be an open primary and Eric Adams would be the name to watch? I think I think Biden will step down. Not personally his decision, but you know his handlers that'll kind of tone him down and kind of like get him out of it. Um, and I feel like they'll do an open primary. The Dems have like a major problem here. Um, they just have themselves backs in the so many boxes. And I don't really see, um, I know a lot of people mentioned Polis and mentioned uh, Warnock, but uh, I just don't think that they check enough boxes and can get enough support behind them. Yeah, I mean, like I said with Polis, he's, he, the guy's just fucking dry toast. So, like, when I've seen him speak and when um, I've, I've seen clips of him on YouTube or if I've watched speeches of his, the dude's just, he's, he's completely boring. But they might want that. Um, it would be interesting for me, and this is, you're seeing a lot of talk with Gavin Newsom, and he is making weird moves. He's, he, he joined Truth Social, and he's doing a lot of kind of weird stuff. And there was just an article today, I think from The Atlantic, of course, that said he's the guy who can push back on the GOP's culture war right now. And so it's weird that you've had a party obsessed with race for, what, 10 years now, suddenly turning to Pete Buttigieg, Gavin Newsom, Jared Polis. So maybe, they, maybe they're coming out of it. Uh, I don't, again, it, it, it would be dream, dreamland funny for someone like me to watch them kick, kick to the curb the first African-American black female vice president of the United States for the polite white gay man. That would just be a dream scenario for someone like me that revels in that stuff. Um, one, one interesting thing about uh, Pete Buttigieg, um, he did go to Harvard, so like he is educated. I still think he's a fucking moron, but um, 
that is one thing about him. Uh, and then I just want to, uh, one quick note, you mentioned on your podcast, I think it was this week about Ryan Grimm. Um, I kind of like learned about him this year. Um, I did see occasionally he does have some decent things. Uh, I gained a little bit of respect for him when I saw him cover Fauci emails, I think back in February. Uh, I, I have respect for honest progressives. Um, I don't have respect for journalists who pretend to be, um, you know, they're, they're partisans, they're wild partisans, but they sit here and put on the last honest man in journalism act, people like Jake Tapper and people like Brian Seltzer. Um, a lot of you see me interact, I interact with Zed Jelani a lot. Um, there are honest progressives out there who are willing to debate, uh, on a discourse of ideas and Ryan Grimm is one of those guys. He's, you don't have to agree with his politics, but he's generally not dishonest, especially when it comes to his reporting. That's all Steven. Thank you. Great. Good to hear from you, Steven. Go Mike, Donna and Craig. Uh, Mike, the floor is yours. Uh, what do you see in your wildest scenario happening for 2024 with uh, our 200 year old president? Hey, Stephen, thanks for having sure. me on. I mean, t- today I was uh, reliably informed from the, the VIEW Brain Trust that uh, a Harris-Buttigieg ticket would wipe the floor with any Republican, whether it's Trump or God. DeSantis. And who was it? Also so. the VIEW, Sonny Hostin, uh, like, blasted DeSantis and then said she would vote for Gavin Newsom because he looks pretty. Um the, the view is just the worst thing on television. There, there's, there isn't remotely anything that comes close to just how fucking poisonous that show is to, to minds. Just people, I, I wonder who sits and watches that show and learns from it. Um, but yeah, that's, so, sorry to interrupt, but just like, I, I'm glad the view came up. <laughs> just, yeah, Sonny Hostin you know, went off on DeSantis saying he had the worst COVID response and she likes Newsom because he's pretty to look at. And I just I just want to boil my face. Yeah, and also you had uh, Joy Reid yesterday when Ron DeSantis made his quip about, you know, Elon supporting him and, be, you know, welcoming African-American support. She's already starting with uh, Ron DeSantis is even worse than Trump because he's open about, you know, mocking uh, the, the black vote and everything when it's just a funny <laughs> quip. It's like, what? Yeah, and it's something, something like everyone, like even journalists were making on Twitter. Um, so that, that was a quip that clearly got fed to him probably from Christina Peshaw or someone on his team. It's just a funny, yeah, it's a funny quip. I don't think anybody takes it seriously. And of course, Joy Reid decided to go full, you know, full roots over it. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, I, and I haven't seen Joy out here talking about these things. You think she's someone out here who would be, you know, uh, cheerleading Kamala all the way you know, to just, you know, poisoning Joe Biden at one of their lunches here sometime. You, you would think. Um, I, had, I had another comment to make. I, I wonder this every time I see a, a Biden tweet come through from media members retweeting him and praising him and stuff. Who do you think controls his Twitter account? Because the man can't walk across, you know, the White House lawn without tripping. There's no way that he can be it's- tweeting so it's most it, li- yeah, it's most likely the comms team, or I'm sure Ron Klain has access to that account as well. Uh, like they said, they have, what, like 70 people working on his social media yeah. team. Do you think they're, like, 
all day long just workshopping tweets and even letting him know what they're tweeting out or is he just oblivious to it all that's a, i think that's probably i'm sure they probably clear it with somebody um but as far as yeah i don't think joe biden is sitting here looking at twitter i don't i don't even know if he really would think he knows how to use it um i'm sure that some of those stuff probably comes from him he, he tells the team i want you to put out a tweet on the economy today or something mm-hmm. i probably if if I had to guess, I would think his comms team has pretty much free reign as far as what to tweet. They know to keep it business and keep it like generic and whatever. But I also think probably Ron Klain has access to that account as well. And yeah, sure, well, well, like I even guess, I would say probably a good chunk of those tweets come from Ron Klain's pudgy little digits. Yeah, well, because even the the first president to use Twitter. Uh, Barack Obama, like uh, his account wasn't even solely run by him. He'd mark all his tweets B.O. if he, you know, yeah. actually tweeted it. And most of it was just workshopped from uh, his comms team. But it seems like with Joe Biden, just because the way Trump used social media and Twitter, they try to have him tweeting every day about something to back up his, uh, you know, public appearances. But there's no way that yeah. he could articulate any of the things that he's typing and putting out on, you know, the internet. Yeah. Like I said, I think it's probably the chief of staff, but the other thing is people ask me what I mean when I say that this administration is governed by Twitter. And I say it's because their policies, they think that things they see online and we know Jen Psaki was like this. Jen Psaki was attached to Twitter um, all day. And so she looks at it and she even said that she looks at it as a tool because she can see what journalists are talking about or retweeting so she can prepare uh, the questions and stuff like that. And, you know, when I say that this administration is governed by Twitter, it's different than when Trump is obviously on Twitter because Trump is just, you know, screaming into the void uh, for Twitter. But this is an administration that genuinely derives its its policy beliefs from what they see happening on Twitter. Uh, nothing, no no better example of this early on was the defund the police. So you'd have Ian Omar, you'd have activists saying defund the police hashtag, and it would get 50,000 retweets or 50,000 likes. Well, they look at that and say, well, see how popular that is. Oh my God, 50,000 people are sitting here. We need to get behind that. And then it turns out it's one of the most disastrous policy proposals the Democrats have ever had that I've seen in my life. Um, I wrote about this this week with the whipping of the migrants mm-hmm. that came from a viral tweet from yep. a leftist activist. So then the media picked it up. You know, Michelle Cinder was one. They take it to Jen Psaki. instead of the media going, OK, hold on here. Let's wait and see. Or instead of Jen Psaki going, well, this doesn't look OK. Well, we can't just they jumped at that. And then it made it to Biden. Biden's like, I'm going to punish them. We're not going to stand for this. And it turns out it never fucking happened. Mm hmm. And but so, they're still going to punish them uh, for right. some different reasons, so they you save at, face. And... Yeah, you look at, you know, uh, a lot of things around the trans debate right now. That is a very online debate. I don't, when I'm out and I'm talking with people, I don't see these issues being discussed. They're they're hugely discussed on Twitter and stuff like that because Twitter is a left-leaning platform w- with far-left activist ideas. And so that's kind of what I mean when I say this, ad, this administration is just governed by Twitter. Um, it's the exact opposite of how Joe Biden ran his campaign, which was not really online and on Twitter. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, I don't I don't think very many tweets come from him. No, I think a majority of them come just from a comms team. Yeah, they probably clear it with Ron Klain and then he'll he'll adjust it or he'll send out a tweet. Gotcha. Cool. 
Appreciate yep. the time. My prediction, Joe Biden runs. He's he rehashes his uh all his gaffes from even like the nineteen eighties where he you know plagiarized <laughs> and claims he was close. the best law student. Yeah, he'll he'll come out. Yeah, there's no way that he's going to admit that he's doing anything wrong and that he's the problem. He keeps blaming everybody else. So there's no way you're getting him out of the White House. He's yeah. running. And like I I I I tend to agree that he's that I do think he will run again or he will try <clears throat> if he makes it. I don't think that that's a 100% guarantee. Um but then the question to me becomes what happens to the party behind him and what does the media do? So again, thanks Mike. Yep. Have a good weekend. Yep, cheers. Donna, the floor is yours. Let me know what you think on all of this. Hello, Stephen. First, I wanted to let you know um, that I had to defend you this morning. Well, I didn't have to, but I did. Um, I was told not to retweet you because you're evil and you're promoting um, transgender strip shows (laughs) for little kids. Oh, yeah. And I said, what? I said, no, he's not. I said, if you listen to his podcast and you read his tweets, you'd understand that he's saying what parents do privately is their business, and he doesn't want it in schools. Yeah, and, uh, this, um, this was a this was a thing last night, and it's why I just I don't have patience for this debate right now. I see it happening, and I'm uh, I, I see I see bad arguments being made from everybody on all sides around this stuff. Yeah. And, uh, so yeah, I, I approach that. I, I probably bled some followers last night, which I don't really care about, uh, which is what I said is, you know, if a if a private establishment wants to host a a drag queen or whatever, and if they want to advertise it and if a parent wants to take their kid into that, um, I guess what you I guess your only recourse is call social services and watch them laugh at you. Um, so right. Or, I, or I have, what I, I have a problem with it in schools. And this is this is a very fundamental uh, conservative libertarian philosophy. Uh, I don't want drag shows for kids in third grade during PE. This is not this is not a difficult debate. If a private business decides that they want to do it and it's legal, you can. If, if you don't like it, change the law. Okay, it's that simple. But if it's legal, it's none of your fucking business. Yes, <laughs> it's that that's... simple. Don't support the business. You, go on Facebook, rant about it, protest. Um, but I, I absolutely refuse to be a part of this social conservatism that makes you look like Marge Simpson trying to bulldoze the bordello. That's not what yeah. I'm here to do. Right. And that's that's what I told her, too. I said, if, it, if it's not illegal and you don't like the law, get your con- call your congressman, get him to change it. Make it illegal for them to do, for private businesses to do this with kids. Right. And I, mean, and, and I see, you know, and not- I see and Rufo's having a debate right now with. Uh, solid dish on this stuff, in which case just go read their debate and see where you kind of come down on it. Um, and that's and that's good and it's fine. I, I have an opinion with this topic that is probably uh, a little bit different right now than what you see uh, happening with kind of these moral panics all over the place. Mm. Um, so I just, I have a different take on it. And um, it's, of course, the correct take that everyone else should have. But this is kind of a big thing happening on the right right now. Yeah, it certainly is. I got blocked in the end. Yeah, don't <laughs> so we all. My opinion. Yeah, that, it was no big loss. But um, as far as Joe goes, I don't think he's going to run again. I don't think he's going to be able to. And if he does, he's not going to have the support of the Democrat Party after the midterms because I think they're going to get squashed. I'm thinking maybe uh, Kamala Harris, 
um, Stacey Abrams ticket, maybe. I'm not sure if they'll have the confidence in uh, Harris. Maybe it would be, well, I don't think she'd want to be VP again. So, she, yeah, she'd definitely want to run for president. But I think Stacey Abrams is going to give it a shot. Any thought about that? I know I heard one person mention her. Yeah, I think she's always just floating around out there. She clearly has presidential aspirations. Um, I I don't know <clears throat> if she wins her governor's race. Um, if I had to guess, I'm guessing Kemp still probably pulls that out. The voters seem to really like him down there. Um, like if Trump couldn't even tank him, then I, I don't know that Stacey Abrams can do a better job. Um, that's a good point. So she's definitely one that's out, and the media loves her. That's always... That's always something you have to look at. Um, and of course, uh, I don't know if the media loves Kamala, but I definitely think she's one where if they had to get behind her, they will. And they'll just play the, the you know, the gender and the race card. And see, she could be our his, a historic president and whatever. Right. Um, but again, this, this is, these are how many different binds Biden has put his party in, which is uh, his own popularity, his, his advanced age. Um, and then obviously the person that would replace him should, you know, something go bad or something bad happen to him is even less popular than he is. And she, she, she's not a national substantial candidate. So these are all decisions Biden has made that have put his party in this corner and there is no easy way out for it. I think probably the easiest way out is that he steps aside and you have an open primary, but even then, all of these people running, like I said, are going to have an attachment to him. And I think people are going to say, you know, we're not putting Kamala in charge after four years of this kind of inflation and gas prices and them saying what they're going to do as far as climate. And, you know, no, we're, we're going with somebody else. And I don't know, provided that person's not Donald Trump, it probably, you know, I don't see that being successful for them. And that's the other thing with Donald Trump. Like I said, there's a whole, you know, kind of establishment of, you know, Bulwark Inc. and Atlantic Inc. that think Trump is setting it up to steal the next election. As I've always said, with the way Biden is handling things right now, Trump isn't going to have to steal anything. Yeah, (laughs) He will walk back in that door. People will say, yes, January 6th sucked. Yes, I hated the fucking tweets. But yes, I also had $2 gasoline. And Democrats and moderates will rip their hair out on MSNBC uh, screaming, how can we do this? And voters will do it. They've proven they'll do it. Yeah, well, my true answer would be I I do believe he's going to run, and I think he would win. I do think he's going to win. Biden is messing around with American oil. That's that's a huge thing. I mean, they basically told him to pound sand politely with their response to his letters, uh, to his letter, excuse me. So, yeah, I, I can see, like you said, Donald Trump just strolling right in there because Families are hurting. And, and then and then you know what the argument becomes from him. I get another term because the first one was all impeachment in Russia. <laughs> so it would not be a good thing if Donald Trump was elected again because he, he he would just go in there and goes, now I get another term. And now I get a I get a second term because my first one was all impeachment and it was all Russia, Russia, <laughs> Russia. A hundred percent that's what he would do. And now now what do we do? Great. So uh, yeah, it's not it's not good news for anybody anywhere right now. And like I said, Biden is putting his party in a very difficult position with the way that he's governing personally. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, it's a mess. <laughs> it's what, five dollars a gallon in every state. That's the minimum. Nobody, nobody can afford that. Not so, the one, and it's so, going to so take time you, to get out of it. Come on. 
So your so your your guess or your uh, predictive analysis is that Biden doesn't run again, and that most likely Kamala would be the nominee. Yes, that's what I think. Yeah, there there are crazier suggestions out there. <laughs> well, I hope you have. Oh, hey, I wanted to ask, ask you: you going to the movies um, by any chance to go see the Black Phone? Uh, it's not on my radar right now. I'm still kind of, uh, easing my way out into the world after COVID. Um, so I, you know, so no, I just, uh, I, I, I have, it's not on my radar at the moment, but I might, who knows? Sometimes I get impulsive. It looks good. I'm thinking I might go the 24th. Oh yeah. It's not this weekend. It's next weekend. Okay. Yeah. I'll, I'll look at it. I'll see, if, I'll see if it interests anyway. me. So, thanks, Donna. Yeah, it's Ethan Hawke's spooky movie. You know, one of those. Sure. <laughs> All right, you have a wonderful weekend. Right. I'm glad you're yeah. feeling better. Thanks, Donna. Take care. Craig, bring us home. Uh, give me the wildest take of the night. It's usually the last one. Give me the C-SPAN take. But do you think Biden runs uh, or he doesn't run or if he's primaried or does he lose a primary? Give me your kookiest scenario and bring us home. Can you hear me? Yep, you're good. All right. Um actually not that kooky fairly realistic more or less but no first off he there's no way he is unopposed so whether he is primaried or whether he is politely rolled out the door um or however you look at it there's no he's too too vulnerable you're seeing the turn now they're pitting him to be weak and ineffective so that they can point and blame a disastrous 2022 on him to push him out the door realistically no way you can't run on 25 percent approval so they're going to push him out or uh he's at least going to get primaried and you think that there will be a party backing to a primary so they oh, will what, yeah without without a doubt now so what happens so what do you think happens president Clinton, yeah what do you think happens like let's say Let's say somebody jumps in first and saying we just need we need, you know, no, no disrespect to Joe Biden, but we need a better energy in this country. We need something younger. We need whatever. Let's say it's Newsom, because right now, if there's one person who looks like they're making moves that would do it, it would be Newsom. So let's say Newsom jumps in. Let's say that opens the floodgates. And now you get some of the retreads. Let's say Warren jumps in because she's not in the cabinet. Let's say Buttigieg jumps in. Let's say he's not in the cabinet anymore. And let's so Joe Biden's like, okay, we're going to have a primary. And so Biden has to campaign like he's not president. He's a candidate. And what happens if Joe Biden loses or comes in third or fourth or fifth in some of those first primaries? What what does he do then? You know, it's he can't say I'm dropping out. He's still the fucking president. I guess he could. But that would be pretty embarrassing. An emergency medical procedure where Dr. Joe says. (laughs) It's in the best interest of the health yeah. of our dear president to not run. Anymore. Yeah, that that would be God if they tried to pull that after he loses three, three, uh, three primaries. They, now it's his health. People like me would just go see. We told you it was always his health or some shit. Um, right. But yeah, that's I mean, that to me is the craziest scenario where it's honestly you know, what, what I would could foresee if someone like Newsom, if a well, well back challenger comes out early see him having a medical emergency before the first primary. So he always gets to say, well, if I was healthy, I could have done it, but I was. Yeah. Healthy, I so mean, I and they'll look, away. they'll look at polling. So they'll see, you know, mm-hmm. if there's four candidates in the race and Joe Biden is polling at the bottom and all of them, um, you know, and I'm sure they'll have internal polling with all of this stuff. The other thing that's interesting to me is I really genuinely wonder if Klain or people in this white house are already preparing for these scenarios 
and are already polling candidates or doing, you know, pulling information on people like Newsom. That's another part of this that I wonder about, where they're they're preparing themselves for a, a 2024 race uh, uh, of primaries, um, which is another thing. We'll never know about it. Um, but it's another part of this is interesting because I don't think these guys are just sitting there at 38 percent going things are, you know, things are doing pretty good. And, you know, he's he can he can coast a reelection because, like I said, if this stuff is bubbling out of The New York Times and The Atlantic behind closed doors, there are people ringing huge alarm bells over him at the moment. I think I do think you're right. And, I, and a few other people said this with uh, as it relates to the midterms, if they get wiped out and I'm talking worse than 2014 and 2010, um, I do think you're going to st- you will start to see the heavy push, especially in the media, uh, Biden friendly media to say he needs to step aside for the good of the country or the good of the party um, and say, again, sir, you did your job. You vanquished the bad orange man. Uh, you've done your duty, uh, you know, you, you've been a gr- devoted civil servant, but it's time to just step aside. And I think you will see that push regardless. Oh, with, without a doubt. And for full disclosure, I live and work in this world, but for the good guys. <laughs> um, so to your point about Klain, if they're doing research now, absolutely, if they're smart. The problem is we've seen with this White House, the sheer arrogance on literally everything and every decision they make. So I would not put it past them to not actually be doing anything. Um, but back to the point I was going to make is someone who's interesting that I'm watching is Michelle Luan Grisham, the governor of New Mexico. She won in 18 on the blue wave, um, came out of a democratic primary on a blue wave, but it's like a governor of Texas or something, right? You got to kind of do that in that environment, but she's not anti-energy. She's been pushing back on Mayorkas and the administration on the border. Um, and I think somebody brought up Luke Thompson, and his saying that the Democrat prevailing wisdom is the is the frost belt. I think you're going to see, especially after Myrna Flores, Myrna Flores, whatever her name was, the other night in South Texas, you're going to see a major push to redefine the center of gravity of the Democratic Party towards either the Sun Belt or the South somewhere that's growing and where they can gain ground as opposed to beating their head against the wall over and over and over with Chicago and Michigan and Pennsylvania and all of that. And so she's one that's very interesting, especially if they get blown out, but there's also that rally around the flag moment in say 23, where the president, where the president's coming up and everybody comes back home. And so they get a little bit optimistic then and you see other candidates start popping out. Yeah, again, it's interesting that people, especially in this call, are floating governors, Democratic governors, because I, I think that's probably where they should go. Um, but I, I just don't know if if that happens. And like I said, got, the reason why governors would be attractive in 2024 for the Democrats is because they have they don't have their hands in any of this mess. You know, that's it, exactly it's, what it's, it is. It's harder for, again, like I said, Harris and Buttigieg and cabinet secretaries and things like that, because they're part you know, they have the Biden stink on them. Um, so it's also gonna be interesting to see who lets Biden campaign with them, uh, coming up here in the next few months, if, or if he's just told to just stay in the home and, you know, eat, eat his jello or what have you. So, um, but yeah, another, another interesting name and stuff like that. Um, so who knows? I, again, I generally, again, this is just kind of a fun, what if kind of episode, but I generally, I think I'm in mostly in agreement with you. I think he's going to try to run again. He's going to say he's running again. Kareem Jumpier said he is. Um, 
but I do not think that he runs unopposed. I do think he's going to get a primary. And then the only question becomes is who that is, Ocasio-Cortez, and does that allow them to open the floodgates? So if he gets one, someone else jumps in, and then a third one, and then a fourth, and then a fifth. And if you get to about five, now you're looking at the Democratic Party has to support the primary. They have to. And so then it's a question of what does he do then? So it's fascinating. And it's, it's one of these it's one of these times that a lot of us have we've never seen it before. We've seen primary challenges um, for sitting presidents, but normally there's they're kind of a far kook or something. And um, while they're all kooks, um, some of them are going to carry a lot of mainstream weight. So, Craig, do you have any uh, final thoughts to wrap us up here? No, um, you pretty much touched on everything. I think everybody in this room is more or less on agreement. Um, but I've been watching and cheering on the abs. No, no connection to hockey whatsoever. Just started watching the playoffs because you've been talking about them, and it's it's fun. Yeah, a lot less there, 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 but... Yeah, there's nothing. I like hearing from new people that I don't. I don't really try to convert people to hockey because it is a hard game um, to get into. But if I tell people, if you want to get into it, watch the playoffs because it is it is at such a different level, speed wise. But you know, but guys get black eyes and they miss and then they lose teeth and they grow their fucking Viking beards out. And um, it is such a different level of, of play. And then the next thing I tell people is if you get into it, you need to go find and, and go watch a live game, even, even like a junior a live game. I think it's the best sport to watch live because you just see how fast these guys are and how big they are on such a small surface. Um, it's kind of like football. I, I've, I haven't really seen a lot of football games in person, and then uh, I went to a couple Jets games in New York because their tickets are dirt cheap and my Broncos came through. And I had, like, no idea how small the fucking football field was. And, like, I'm amazed anybody makes any kind of play on a football field, like, with how small it is. But it's the same with hockey. Like, when you see how just small the ice is compared to how big these guys are, you're amazed that they even make passes. So I'm glad I'm glad we had a convert, and especially an abs convert. Um, but yeah, you you picked a good year and a good series because you are watching the two best teams, pretty much unequivocally, the two best teams playing each other. There's no Cinderella team. There's no fluke. It's not going to be a sweep. Um, it's just it's going to be a fucking nervous brawl for the next six games. Yeah, I'm excited. Should be yeah, good. You picked you picked a Excuse good me, you picked a good team in a good year, Craig, is what I'm trying to say. Right. There we go. <laughs> Cheers. Thanks, Craig. Um that's that's gonna that's gonna uh wrap us all up for um uh what are we at? Is this episode twenty two episode twenty two old Joe? Um a lot of good ideas, a lot of good thoughts, uh a lot of just again, these are these are just kind of fun episodes to have away from kind of the media moment. Um, we all, especially in politics, like to speculate on these, these kinds of things, which is why everyone generally uh, comes through and has uh, some good takes. So, again, thanks, everybody. Um, I'm going to probably do another one of these maybe Monday um, if I can a little bit early. I have an early ho- speaking of hockey. I have an early hockey, but maybe Monday. If not, we'll do it again later in the week. Uh, I will be back on the podcast most likely Tuesday. There's a possibility I'm going to do a podcast tomorrow, but we'll see. Uh, But most likely Tuesday. And then I will also be on Kennedy on Fox Business on Tuesday night. So uh, be sure to tune in for that. And then just also a program note, I will be on with Megan Kelly on June 29th, um, talking about probably the issues of the day. So I'm excited for that. So make sure you guys tune in and see that as well. Uh, This has been episode 22, old Joe. Poor old Joe. 
um, of Versus Media Live. Again, you can get me on Twitter where, like I said, I probably lost some followers. Um, so there's room there. So be sure to follow me on there. And uh, be sure to subscribe to this if you if to this channel if you haven't. You'll get all the notices. You'll get all the updates. So, again, thanks, everyone, for your takes. Uh, go off and enjoy your weekend. And, of course, go Avalanche. Talk soon.